due to scenes and scenarios of a graphic, gruesome, and controversial nature, listener discretion is advised. The Cosmic Void. Onward it stretches into infinity, matched in depth and vastness by but one thing, the human imagination. We present now a story from this, the greater of two endless realms. Join us as we enter a gate beyond. The old biblical expression, you reap what you sow, takes on twisted new meaning in our story this week. The grisly tale of a dead man who finds himself in the afterlife, tasked with harvesting a gruesome crop. Taken from the collection, Paying the Ferryman, edited by Margaret L. Colton, copyright 2015. This is Eden in Spring by Scott McCloskey. Derek was still sane. Having never been a man of great fortitude, it occurred to him how surprising that was. As a boy, he found bugs to be icky, and he was always the one who refused to hold the frogs his friends captured down by the creek. The sight of vomit made him wretch. So far, he'd managed to keep it together, but there were far more despicable things to look upon in this place. The first that came to mind were the toothy abyssal maws of the unholy transcendental creatures that came to call on leathery wings every day, always seizing Derek up like raw chum just before the grinder. The worst part was the noise. It never yielded, not for a single blistering minute of every excruciating journey the sun made from dawn to dusk. There were no words to describe it. Suffice to say, it made Derek believe that he really was dead. He had to be, or else his eardrums would have burst long ago. The noise was a constant miasma of screeching, howling, keening madness that made the hurricanes he lived through growing up in South Florida seem like ice dancing. Permeated every surface, seeped into each crack, and wrapped its tendrils around him no matter where he went. Not that there was anywhere to go. He'd tried to leave, back when he thought it was all some elaborate prank. Something was lurking out beyond the tree line. Something far beyond his perception, bent on keeping him in. It was huge, serpentine, and everywhere. It instilled a fear of survival strong enough to cause Derek to run for his life, even when he no longer had a life to protect. The single chain lamp that hung from the ceiling bathed everything in a weak, shadowy glow. It rocked slightly, as if mounted in the bowels of a ship. Amidst the stillness of the night, Derek watched it with a bad feeling in the pit of his stomach. Sitting opposite Derek, on top of a barrel, was a tall, dirty creature wearing torn-up cowboy boots and ruddy denim overalls. In lieu of a name, Derek called him Josiah. 
after his paternal granduncle, who had the same habit of chewing on cattail reeds. Josiah had been here since Derek arrived, and was the only person he had seen or spoken to in at least a month. Derek felt a chill whenever the gaze of the two Stygian orbs lurking under the low brow of Josiah's straw hat fell on him. Rees, Josiah muttered. Huh? The dark eyes rolled up and pierced to Derek like barbed pickets. Said three, Zeke. Derek sighed. How many times do I have to tell you my name's not- Shut up! Josiah growled. Ain't not no name no more. Now shut up or stay the night in the corn rows. Derek fell silent. He'd long since learned that the dead don't sleep, so there was nothing to do when it got too dark to tend the fields, but sit under the single light in one room shack and listen to the awful noise. Being outside was almost tolerable during the day, but he wasn't sure he could handle it at night. Threes, Josiah persisted. Go fish, Derek replied pensively, slapping his hand of cards face down on another barrel that served as a table. He ran his fingers nervously through his short-cropped blondness and gazed out the window. It was impossible to see more than two or three feet past the perimeter of light, but he squinted and tried anyway. The chain lamp shouldn't have been moving, and there shouldn't have been a faint rumbling noise underlying the cacophony of despondent caterwauling from the horn. When the tension became too much, Derek dared to ask what was going on. Josiah drew a card from the deck and added it to his hand. They come, he replied. Now? Derek's gaze darted to the corners of the rickety shack, as if he expected the walls to collapse in on him at any moment. You said they never come at night. Come when they come, Josiah stated simply as he scratched the boil on the back of his neck. You get the fork now. Derek swallowed through a lump in his throat. He stared out the painless window and tried in vain to pick out shapes in the perfect blackness. He might as well have had his eyes closed. The fathomless, unnatural void offered up nothing but miserable dirges from out in the fields. Derek stood. You're crazy, he declared indignantly. I'm not going out there. And since when are you the boss of me anyway? You go out there. I'm sick of... Derek's words were thrust brutally back down his windpipe before the improvised furniture hit the floor. Josiah was a full head taller, and Derek was certain he couldn't fit both his hands together around the big man's biceps. His feet flailed six inches from the floor. Derek managed to wheeze out words through the iron fingers which held fast to his throat. You can't kill me, he hacked. I'm already dead. Josiah's irises reflected the swaying lamplight like crackling fire. Bad souls get sent here. You don't want to know what happens getting killed when you already dead. Now you get the fork. Derek clawed at his throat and emitted a wet gurgling noise. Can't see anything outside, he complained. Too dark. With one massive paw, Josiah grabbed hold of the chain lamp and tore it from the ceiling. Rays of light flew haphazardly in all directions as the big farmhand cast his charge to the floor, bent over him, and double-knotted the chain around Derek's neck tight enough to leave bruises. Derek writhed against the floorboards, gagging and tugging futilely at the makeshift necktie while his tailor stood back to admire his handiwork.
Josiah threw his head back and rent the living air with a guffaw that bore straight into Derek's fluttering heart. Moments later, Derek was shoved from the shack and out into the muddy piles that permeated all of the land straight up the tree line. It wasn't mud. The thick black ichor that clung to every rock and tree was hot like oil from a running engine. It made touching any surface feel like he had plunged his hands into the chest of a recently deceased cadaver. The smell of entrails filled his nostrils, and a cloying humidity clung to him, but he ignored the morbid assault on his senses and made a mad dash for the equipment shed. With only the meager incandescence swinging about his neck for a guide, he stumbled through the shed door and fumbled blindly, slapping his palms over several rough surfaces until his hands finally wrapped around the large pitchfork that resided there. Never fully regaining his footing, he scrambled to his feet and pelted toward where he thought the cornrows were, shouting curses just so that he could hear a familiar voice over the stubborn, emphatic noise. Holding his breath, Derek plunged headlong into the crops that made up the upper field. Fingers tore at his pants and rent in gashes into his bare chest. Gnashing, blunted teeth snapped at his toes while hundreds of pairs of eyes fixed him with accusatory stares. When the chain lamp swung the wrong way and his eyes failed him, Derek tripped over something meaty and fell face first into the blasted wasteland that somehow sustained the fields. Face immediately came into view. Derek's first reaction was to cry out and roll away, but the visage gave him pause. A girl smiled energetically at him. With a white barrette in her auburn tresses and a rosy twinkle to her cheeks, he imagined she couldn't be more than seven or eight years old. She was an impossible picture of exuberant innocence. The only logical conclusion was that she was an angel, sent to take pity on him and carry him away to the promised land. Sputtering maniacally through an icker-spattered lips, Derek smiled and reached out to brush his fingertips against the child's down-soft cheeks. You're... Derek croaked. Who are you, little girl? Did they bring you here, too? He answered his own question with a shake of his head as the face giggled and nuzzled his palm. No. That can't be. This is no place for a kid. This has to be hell. Kids don't go to hell. They don't. The shriek the child emitted was enough to contort her angelic face into something abominable in the turning of a second. The eyes hollowed in their sockets. The hair seemed to burn away while the lips curled back and bathed Derek's arm in a thick stream of sticky bile. When it finished, it jerked away like an insect and added its voice to the chorus of suffering moans. Derek scrambled back. He rarely dared to lay eyes on the crops for very long but he found that he couldn't look away from this one. Like all of the others, it looked as if it had once been human. It had a torso and arms, but the flesh rolled and twisted like skin over boiling milk. It flailed at him and grasped with its warped palms in frustration. Below its chest, the boneless skin was flayed in bloodied perforated strips, stretched to their limits and buried in blackened earth-like roots. There were more of them, an old man, a middle-aged woman, and a bald, disheveled being of indeterminate gender. Derek could only guess how many of them made up the upper and lower fields. 
They clawed relentlessly at him, their inhuman sobs begged for release. Derek stared at the child as it groped the air and cried. His lip began to quiver, and he shook his head in disbelief, blinking hard in a vain attempt to banish the image. The girl's face was a mask of terror, anguish, and indescribable pain. No, no more, Derek cried. Just, just shut up. With a sickly thud, the sharpened tines of Derek's pitchfork ripped through naked flesh over and over again. Sweat mingled with the damp humidity on his skin as Derek thrust the nondescript fool into the image of the little girl before him, wanting, needing to make it go away. When the little plant was nothing more than a pulsating, amorphous mass, Derek jammed the pitchfork into the dirt and pried the remaining hunks of muscle and fat from the rest beneath the soil. Balancing them precariously on the edge of his oversized utensil, he crashed through the cornrows at a run. He shouted until his lungs burned, trying to be heard over the din of thousands of tortured souls. Here! Here, damn it! Take this one! Just take it and get out of here! It didn't take long to find one of them. Stood in the center of a wide row, bent over something that looked vaguely female. Its fangs moved with delectable precision as it pierced flesh like an overripe peach and savored the juices that slipped from the wounds it created. When it became annoyed with the bang protests of its meal, it bent the head back at an impossible angle and tore the jugular to shreds, gibbering like a starving hyena as it devoured what was left and moved quickly to the next one. Rooted to the spot, None of the trapped souls could do anything but lean away and barf up a gargled morass of tangible fear. A dozen more of the creatures lurked in the darkness. Derek tried to study them in the daylight when they usually came to feed, but they were too infernal for his mortal eyes to register clearly. All he knew of them was a lean, humanoid musculature, convoluted by a distended belly great wings, bony horns, and seemingly endless rows of razor-sharpened sizers. They were frothing, homicidal cupids with baleful eyes Derek couldn't look into. <laughs> Derek deposited what was left of the protoplasmic child in the dirt, kicking it away until the runny eyes weren't staring at him anymore. Actively feeding them was the only way to satiate their hunger, at least according to Josiah. Let them run wild and there would be nothing left inside of an hour. Take it and go, Derek repeated, shielding his eyes with his bare forearm. Hot tears stung at his cheeks. He wanted to rub the burning redness away, but he dared not risk laying even a sidelong glance on the thing from close range. Josiah promised that they would leave him alone, but only if he didn't make direct eye contact or draw undue attention to himself. The warning wasn't necessary. Derek didn't know what a second death at the hands of one of them would mean, for his immortal soul, he didn't want to find out. When he was quite certain that he heard his offering being dismembered, Derek turned away and feverishly jammed the shark pitchfork into more of the crops, uprooting them and tossing them over his shoulder. Refusing to meet the gaze of any plant he destroyed, Derek cried out endless apologies and built up a pile of meat sufficient to satisfy the feeding frenzy in the corners.
Derek opened his eyes. He hadn't slept since the night before he died, but no matter how tired he became, the sweet release of unconsciousness never claimed him. Instead, he spent a few hours every night lying in the darkness, making futile attempts to blot out the horrid noises and drown his mind in the gooey nectar of memories. He rose and checked himself over, fighting the swimming dizziness in his head. The green-blue surgical scrub pants that they'd given him to die in were the only article of clothing that he had, though now they were more of a dingy yellowish-brown color. His once unmarred body was covered in fingernail scars, choking impressions from the chain lamp, ichor stains, and scrapes from the many times that he'd lost his footing negotiating the uneven, pockmarked landscape. And now his right forearm was slightly burned from boiling bile that the child threw up all over him before he pulverized her with a dirty pitchfork and fed her to a slavering demon. The room suddenly felt very stuffy. Derek quickly fled into the putridity of the morning. Josiah was easy to find. The big bumpkin shoveled a substance that Derek had come to know as fertilizer into a wheelbarrow. He spoke without turning around. Zeke, get our field up and get it out to the back 40. Derek held a hand over his mouth as he approached the piles of fertilizer. They amounted to nothing more than ghastly collections of human organs, glistening and pulsing as if they had been ripped from the cavities of hapless carcasses only moments ago. The carrion mounds that they created were taller than salt domes, and Derek was often left wondering if there were enough parts to account for the disemboweled intervals of every crop in the field. The bandana that Derek left tied to his shovel was still there, but he wasn't quick enough when he made a grab for it. The odor of rotting meat instantly invaded his nostrils and sent him to his knees, where he vomited up empty stomach acids until he was able to secure the wisp of red cloth in place over his nose and mouth. The two men worked, silently loading their equipment up with the bloody awk. Derek kicked the point of his shovel into the thick pile of muck, rippling blood vessels and laying open oozing arteries as he went. When his wheelbarrow was loaded to capacity twice over, he hefted it up and pushed it the nearly quarter-mile distance to the lower fields of her scabrous crown. The toll on his muscles was excruciating, but his body never gave out. He had thought spirits would be different physically, but in death, Derek found that pain was eternal. The monotonous daylight hours were always filled with back-breaking labor. Exhaustion took Derek in the first 15 minutes, but he kept at it, dropping a shovelful of entrails onto the threaded remains of each crop they had taken. The guts made a plopping noise consistent with the birth of fresh cow dung, and Derek sped away quickly whenever he finished his work. He knew the goop almost immediately began to bloom into a new gruesome plant thing, and he had no intention of repeating the mistake that he'd made the first time he lingered who watched the miracle of death. After countless days baking under the poisonous globe that hung in the sky, Derek took some small comfort in the fact that he was getting used to the horrors that he bore constant witness to. He even had some time to think during those rare moments when he was able to blot out the ignominious wailing from the crops. Josiah wouldn't tell him anything. Derek was no fool. He knew what was going on. This was Inferno. 
these people were wicked souls, doomed to exist in a constant state of mangled deformity until selected by the devil's minions to be devoured. Derek himself was no saint, but the powers that be had somehow taken pity on him. Rather than join these pitiful people in their fate, he had been relegated to a role of shepherding the existing crops while preparing the land for new ones. For him, this was only purgatory. When he'd served his time, they'd consider him a reformed soul and sent him up to the pearly gates. All he had to do was wait. And so it went. Day after day, Derek spent either preparing the crops to be devoured or averting his eyes from the devils as he fed them. Night after night, he cowered on the floor of the one-room shack, thinking only of his release. Josiah was poor and volatile company, but Derek was able to avoid the scruffy farmhand's ire most of the time by keeping his head down and focusing on the daily toil. Hours became days, days became weeks, weeks became months, and months became a gasping fissure of raw, mottled time that Derek could no longer quantify. The wailing never ceased, and in every pair of parched lips and bloodshot eyes he saw icy fear, boiling hatred, and kowtowing desperation. Whenever he was outside the shack, he could feel them all staring at him, blubbering soured half-words and ethereal litanies. Harder Derek worked, the more certain he became that his time was drawing near. He learned the error of his ways and saw what was in store for him if he didn't reform. He was ready to fall at the feet of the Almighty and bootlick, ad infinitum. What more could be asked of him than repentance? He would do whatever God wanted to make it all stop, but he needed the man upstairs to make a decision soon, before the Banshees drove him completely mad. On a certain morning, an acidic rain leaked from the sky. It did nothing to wash away the mire that infested everything Derek touched. On the contrary, it only seemed to add to the pus-filled nodules that clung to every blade of grass like morning dew. Hard at work, Derek came upon a row of souls with only a single space missing. Perhaps he found it odd that they would feed so selectively. Perhaps he was just bored. Whatever the reason, Derek fertilized the spot and this time chose not to spare himself from the proceedings. The twisted pile of human sludge began to quiver almost the moment he set it in place. The organs slowly liquefied and seeped into the porous earth, twisting, knitting, and merging into paper-thin sheets of eviscerated flesh. The mound of fetid light stretched to its meager limits, reaching out for the clouds like a child begging not to be abandoned. Gradually, a masculine torso congealed into being atop the bloodied fillets, and a face came into view. When Derek laid his eyes upon it, he screamed and ran. Josiah was in the upper fields near the shack. In a perverse mockery of farming, he was inspecting the crops by bemusedly poking and tugging at them. Derek burst through the edge of the cornrows. He panted hard, but he didn't pause for an instant. Where in the hell are we? he demanded. Tell me! Josiah rubbed the lump of squishy flesh between his blunted thumb and index finger. The remnants of the young man he accosted lunged at his overalls, but he paid neither the attack nor the question any mind. For the love of God! Eric choked, 
His yellowing toenails oozed blood from stab wounds inflicted by the rocky ground. Tell me what this is! This isn't hell! It can't be hell! There are children here! God wouldn't do this to children! And that man! That face! When they killed... He took a deep breath, blinking tears from his face. When they executed me! That was the face of the preacher! He was known to everybody as the most pious man of the whole damn city! He doesn't belong in hell! Josiah turned around. For the first time, the grim giant's lips turned up in a smile. There was no warmth in the expression. Derek felt a chill run down his spine. Has crucified, Josiah replied. Derek balked. Come again? Josiah made a holy symbol in the air. Dad, on the cross. What? Derek took a step back. Ridiculous. Nobody gets crucified anymore. How long have you been here? Since today, Josiah said. Since what day? The day we's damned, Josiah stated flatly. You talk about the love of God. God ain't got no love for you. God ain't got no love for nobody. We's all sinners and we's all obey. Butterflies rose in Derek's stomach with such force that he felt like somebody had used his intestines to tie down tent stakes. Josiah went on. You religious folk make up stories about how killing his boy was a sacrifice and that you all gonna be saved. But we's all the same. One of us kills, we all kills. That's how God sees it. Sing Amazing Grace and chant hallelujah all you want. Don't change nothing. He sent us his boy, and we killed him. Josiah indicated the fields with a wave of his arm. This be what we get. You're wrong, Derek refuted defiantly. This has to be wrong. You're lying. Heaven. Josiah threw back his head and bellowed out a laugh so loud that it shook the tree line. Derek was forced to his knees, pressing his palms hard to the side of his head. You ever been to heaven? Josiah cackled. What you know about heaven? What your priest told you? What your mama told you? What you read in a good book? People been filling that book up with lies for centuries. Heaven only got a dozen people in it, and days just there because his son got his friends in. You know what happens to the rest? He grabbed cropped person by the neck and twisted its tortured visage in Derek's direction. The rest is foods for all the Satan boys. He got a lot of mouths to feed. N no. We's forsook, Josiah cackled. Falls we's even bone, we's forsook. Ain't nothing we can do about it. Then why did they bring you a partner? Derek challenged, rising to his feet. If we're all damned, why save me? Josiah spat a glob of flam dirt and stepped away from the cornrows. You thinks you saved? He laughed. You's as stupid as you look. You ain't no partner. You's a replacement. Replacement? The word rattled around in Derek's throat like a tin cup on prison bars. I's free, Josiah grinned. Free to meet my 2,000-year-old fate. They gonna eat me and then it all gonna be over. No more hollering, no more crying, no more watching little girls and boys or somebody's poor old grandma getting torn up in this field. 
It's horrible. That's quick, Josiah shot back. All we've ever got to look forward to is quickness. The only good folks got is souls that smell like the devil's sweet honey. Days get eaten first, and it's all over faster. You? He stabbed a finger in Derek's face. You ain't never gonna be free. The end days is coming, coming real soon. You won't be here till then, all alone, though there ain't no such thing as time at all, no all. Derek glanced at the cornrows, shrinking before the hundreds of pairs of condemning eyes which were fixed on him. Hey, he stammered. The change? No, Josiah smiled, flashing two rows of decrepit brown teeth. It's too late for you. How many you killed before they finally caught you, Zeke? Fifty? Hundred? I, I never meant to hurt anyone, Derek pleaded plaintively. It was an accident. All of them were accidents. Don't matter. You can't pay for all the evil you've done with some humane injection. Use the baddest, and you got to pay the most of all. More than me. So, as off the hook. Derek wouldn't. Wouldn't accept it. Shaking his head and crying out in defiance, he lurched backward and dripped over Josiah's empty wheelbarrow, careening out of control until he slammed into the stony dirt. Lying prone on his stomach in a puddle of foul-smelling slime, he planted his palms in the dirt and pushed himself up. Josiah was still laughing. The grizzled farmhand stripped the overalls from his body and cast them into the cornrows. His boots came next. Finally, his hat was sent off, out of sight, sailing away like a frisbee. Josiah stood, stark naked, at the edge of the cornrows. His muscled frame glistened with vigor and sweat. Derek watched in horror as Josiah's extremities began to peel back and curl on his bones. Deep red blood bubbled forth and pulled at the edges of the strips, spewing out between each new rupture. Josiah cast his arms to the contaminated sky and brought forth a guttural roar which mimicked the cries of the crops perfectly. Derek thought that he finally knew how the crops felt. Squirming in the muck, he could feel anguish bleeding from every pore. Life was a lie, and he fell for it just like everybody else. He held his face in his hands. I'll change. I can change, he whimpered. You'll see. Satan's boy's still gonna be hungry when the end comes, Josiah's rapidly decomposing body declared. And you gonna be the only thing left to eat. They won't let you go. They gonna make you last. Last forever. An instant later, Josiah plunged into the cornrows. Beneath a rancid sky, a single man sat on a barrel next to a one-room shack. Bare of chest and foot, only a pair of dingy surgical scrub pants protected him from the baking sun. He was bruised, badly sunburned, and covered in a thin layer of sludge that gave his pallor a yellowing jaundiced look. Chewing on a cattail reed, he patiently watched the tree line, looking for signs of the otherworldly serpent roamed the farm's perimeter. Cacophonous cries of piercing anguish, betrayal, jealousy, and dread lit the afternoon on fire and rode the breezes to every corner of his mind. The man hadn't moved a muscle, since the last time they came. 
there was no need to move. He had only one reason to exist, and that was taken away from him when the fertilizer stopped working. The last time he counted, there were 374 crops left in the field. Their numbers were dwindling every day. There was nothing left to do but wait. Thank you for joining us for this episode of A Gate Beyond. Join us again in two weeks for more tales of the unusual and otherworldly, gathered from the farthest reaches of the human imagination. Until then, always go beyond. Produced and edited by Danny Atwell. A Gate Beyond is a production of Dark Charm Media. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Thank you.